Super Talk Mississippi media production. If you're feeling anxious about your investments with all the economic volatility and chaos in Washington, tune in to Super Talk Jackson on Wednesdays from 9 to 10 a.m. and Sundays from 8.30 to 9.30 a.m. for Element Wealth Radio with Jeremy Nelson. Learn more at myelementwealth.com. Welcome in, everybody, to the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Glad that you are with me on this Wednesday, the last day of the month of May, 94 days. Yeah, 94 days until Ole Miss kicks off the college football season. So technically, if you want to really get technical, college football season starts 87 days from right now, right? Because 94 minus 87 is 7. Yeah, and week zero is... Yeah, so right, 94, 87, those are your numbers for today. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit of college football with you. The spring meetings are going on right now, and then uh, we got some basketball news uh, that we got to talk about here on this podcast uh, pertaining to Ole Miss and Chris Beard and player transferring and player returning, although this is what you should have expected to happen, or at least I think so. I I don't know if yesterday was – big-time breaking news uh, the way it was treated. I think it was more of a formality. But either way, we'll get to that as well right here on the podcast. Again, my name is Michael Borky. Follow on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Michael Borky, B-O-R-K-E-Y. And wherever you get your podcast, if you're listening in browser, on the website, we appreciate you checking it out. But pull out your favorite podcast app. Search Rubber Report, subscribe, leave a rating, and a review if you like what you hear anyway. Uh, So let's get into it. The spring meetings are going on right now. Nothing has happened yet in terms of actual uh, stuff, actual movement uh, from the meetings and the votes and all that. That's going to come later this week. But an article did come from Ross Dellinger uh, today. And this is something that if you listen to the radio show every day that that you've heard me talk about uh, before and... Quite frankly, it's more of a, a running theory. I don't think I, I share this opinion by myself. I think others also kind of agree that this is a possibility or this is where it's headed. Uh, but I've talked about it a lot over the last few years, especially since COVID, right? I, I really started thinking about this when Greg Sankey and the SEC decided to, to play and everybody else didn't want to, and then all of college football played because of the SEC's leadership. And uh, from there, I thought they are going to realize, if they haven't already, that they can do this better than the quote-unquote powers that be in college football. And then more, we've gotten more evidence and more evidence. And NIL and Transfer Portal has come, and the NCAA has done nothing. They are virtually useless when it comes to this matter. And there's been quotes and anecdotal evidence here and there scattered about during all of this that says, you know, they're going to realize they can do this better. And when they keep petitioning to Congress and nothing gets done, when they ask the NCAA to step in and nothing gets done, they're going to do it on their own. I've thought that for the longest time. I have thought that a breakaway, even if it's just in football only, is coming. Because, number one, The NCAA doesn't award the champion in college football anyway. That's the college football playoff. Now, the NCAA does at the FCS and Division II and Division III levels, but the football that we're talking about that's important to us, it's already not that the champion's not crowned by the NCAA. They don't put on the playoff, if you will. And so, but they do in basketball. And frankly, that's the only thing that the NCAA does well is the basketball tournament. 
and the other sports are not significant enough to want to warrant uh, a change. Now, there may be some pushback and litigation and all that, I guess, but I don't know what the NCAA can really do if the schools want to sanction their football programs elsewhere. They're, there's really no leg to stand on there. So I thought that was coming uh, for quite some time. A football-only breakaway, allow them to set their own rules, legislate themselves, and do it better than the NCAA. Here's another article with more evidence of that. Uh, this is Ross Dellinger in Sports Illustrated today. He said, on June 6th, Dozens of SEC administrators and coaches will descend on Capitol Hill to further lobby state lawmakers to push through legislation governing athlete compensation. College leaders want a federal bill to standardize NIL by preempting state laws and deem college athletes as students, not employees, and provide liability protection from legal challenges. In four years of this lobbying effort, eight hearings have been held and more than a dozen college athlete bills have been introduced. The number of proposals that have cleared the House or Senate is zero. Uh, not even cleared the House or Senate, cleared committee, and the House and Senate is zero. So they're going to do it again, and they're going to do it again, and they're going to realize that nothing gets done on Capitol Hill ever. Um, not to get political, but I'm going to get political for a second. Um, those people don't want to get anything done. They never do. Anyway, um, but they're definitely not going to take on something like this, clearly. And so, again, back to the article, for a year now, the SEC's most powerful executives have explored solutions with the goal of managing athlete compensation in a more regulated way. If a federal solution is not achieved during day one of the annual spring meetings on the Florida Panhandle, their plan B is coming into focus, like I've been talking about for years they want to do it on their own, and they can do it better. Back to the article. The league expects to align its 12-state NIL laws in an effort to hand power to the conference office to oversee police and even set policy for NIL. I saw some folks on Twitter making fun of that as if, like, it's not possible. Oh, it's definitely possible. You, you watch. Greg Sankey said, quote, We have enough trust and confidence from our state leaders that we can govern ourselves if it needs to be done. Hmm. I'm going to scroll a little bit so I don't just get wordy and read an entire article uh, to you. But Mac Brown said, quote, in the story, I wish we would stop hiding behind NIL. We are headed toward an NFL model, is what Mac Brown said. Here's my issue with that statement, though, because I see it all the time. And we get texts and stuff into the radio show that college football is becoming the NFL, and I don't like it. And my response is always, no, 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 you've got that wrong. College football is nothing like the NFL. It is far worse, far beyond the NFL. In fact, college football could stand to be more like the NFL. The NFL has salary caps to where every team has to spend or, or cannot spend more than a certain amount to make it as equal as possible. They have contracts that you really can't get out of, uh, so there's no annual free agency. They have rules that are strictly enforced. College football could very much stand to be more like uh, the NFL. So I, I really, what Mac Brown's saying and what other people say, I think they're wrong. It could be more like the NFL. Here's a quote from Danny White. We are the least regulated sport in the world. We have tons of students on this campus at the University of Tennessee who are employees of the university, and we probably have student athletes that are employees in other ways. 
I don't understand why you couldn't be a student and an employee. There are ways to figure those things out. But without a federal solution, the article says, the SEC may go at it alone, so to speak, in creating their own 12-state, 16-school NIL model based on state laws that mirror one another. There are problems with this because other states in the footprint have uh, tried to prohibit outside entities from uh, interfering in their NIL laws, but a voluntary member, I I suppose, could um, alter that some. But either way, Georgia President Jerry Moorhead, the leader of the SEC Executive Council, fears that it will end in further litigation without any antitrust protection from Congress. But he adds, quote, we will have to consider these options if we are not successful in Washington, D.C. They are looking at other things. For example, the Austin payments, which is 6000 a year in, quote, education-related money. Uh, expanding that to kind of reduce the the need for NIL uh, so you can keep them students but increase their pay, whatever. They're looking at a lot of uh, different options uh, to, to try to circumvent the idea of making them employees. But here's more. Dabo Sweeney, he's in the ACC, but still believes that a new association is the answer. Here's a quote. We need to blow it all up and have a new governance structure. We need a governance structure that's reflective of the real-time issues. Back to the article. Many have suggested that the college football playoff, uh, that the college football playoff serve as that new association, a subset of like-minded schools in the FBS, mostly or all of the Power Five, would move under the CFP with a new set of standards of practice. Here is something that I really don't like. This is from Mark Keenum of uh, Mississippi State, the president of Mississippi State University. He said, quote, the CFP is not a governing body. It's an event organization. You could create another NCAA. How do you do that and get all the other members to come to the table? You won't get all the current members to come to the table. Is there a breakaway? You're posing something that conceptually could happen, but I don't know realistically anytime soon. Here's where I would disagree with Dr. Keenum, even though he served on these committees and, and is very deeply involved. Um, how do you how do you do that? In his quote, he says, how do you do that and get all the other members to come to the table? Um, it's very simple because the rest of college football wants to be aligned with the SEC and then the Big Ten. If the SEC were to decide to, let's say, make the CFP, the college football playoff, their governing body, I promise you other leagues would fall in line just like they did during the COVID season. If not for the SEC, nobody would have played. But the SEC played, and so everybody else fell in line. If Greg Sankey at the SEC said, we are breaking football away, and the college football playoff is not just going to be an event organization anymore, it is going to govern the sport. I promise you, everybody would fall in line. I promise. I I mean, they would. College football would not survive without the SEC. It wouldn't. The rest of it wouldn't. It would not. They need to be aligned with the SEC. If they want to break away, the Big Ten would come with them. The Big 12 would come with them. The ACC would come with I, I That's exactly how it would go down. The SEC could take the lead here, and it sounds like they're wanting to. Greg Sankey's quotes about having to 
that they need to do it on their own. And they're now exploring getting away from Congress and not even involving the NCAA anymore. I think this is going to happen. I thought that this is going to happen for a long time. They're getting nowhere in Congress. The NCAA is a joke and regulation is desperately needed. Well, how do you do it? How do you do it? You let the NCAA continue to do basketball because they do basketball well. You let the NCAA continue to do the other sports because, quite frankly, outside of a, a very a minority of schools, nobody cares about baseball or anything else. That's how you circumvent it. That's how you regulate it. That's how you balance it. You have to break away. Congress isn't going to do it, and the NCAA isn't going to do it. And you're starting to see from quotes from Tennessee's AD, quotes from the president of the University of Georgia, quotes from the athletic director, or excuse me, the uh, commissioner of the SEC. They realize that the direction it's headed is not good. Regulation is needed, but nobody's going to do it. Nobody currently in charge is going to do it, so we have to. The fact that they're discussing this in the, the SEC meetings is, I think, a big win uh, for the future of college football. That's a big win because that needs to happen this way. Um, and we'll see if it does. But interesting story from, uh, from Ross Dellinger today. Um, if you believe that a breakaway is coming, then uh, you've got some ammunition now uh, for sure. You have some ammunition now for sure. The podcast is brought to you by Advantage Business Systems. Check them out online, absms.com. If your business is located in Mississippi, anywhere in Mississippi, and you're in the market for office technology, absms.com has you covered. Anything from copiers and printers and mail machines to cloud storage, data security, phone systems, technology in the office. And if you tell them I sent you, you'll get a complimentary office technology assessment. So you tell them what you need, what your budget is, and they will find a solution for you Again, check them out, absms.com. The podcast is also brought to you by Priority One Bank. Let them make you their priority with 16 locations in the state of Mississippi. They, of course, have online banking. Most banks do. I think all banks do. But theirs is a little bit different. One-stop shop. All you need is your internet connection, and you can do everything you need to do with your money instead of having to have multiple apps like my previous bank required me to do. They also have local loan servicing and decision-making. So you meet with somebody face-to-face instead of on Zoom or through the phone. Priority One Bank making you their priority. So basketball news yesterday. Um, Two things uh, related to this year's Ole Miss team anyway. Number one, uh, Matthew Morrell withdrew from the NBA draft and is going to return to Ole Miss. Um, that's That's a good thing. That's an objectively very good thing. Um, call me a cynic or, or whatever, I, I didn't expect this to go any other way. And when it goes official, of course, it's news, right? It is news when the the thing happens officially. Chris Beard did an interview with, uh, with Neil and Chase over at Rebel Grove, and he said that or he would not say that it was final that Matthew hadn't made his decision yet. So even just a few weeks ago, the, the coach publicly was like, I'm not sure if he's coming back or not. But if you were, if you injected some truth serum into him, I'm sure he would have told you the same thing. The expectation was for him to return. Um, he's not an NBA player yet. 
He's got a ceiling of an NBA player. He can become one with the right coaching, and lucky enough for him, he's got it now. Didn't before. He's got it now that can turn him into a guy that can play at the next level here domestically, but he's not an NBA player right now. I don't think people realize that the non-NBA fan out there, I don't think they realize how difficult it is to make a roster and stay on an NBA team. Uh, Because I saw one person that, you know what, I'm not even going to go down that road. Point is, Morell doesn't have the game of an NBA player yet. He's got the upside of an NBA player, not ready yet. And that was always going to be the feedback that he he got. Apparently, his athleticism and ability uh, wowed some people, but he's not there yet. And coming back to Ole Miss was, I, I thought, was the only thing that was going to happen. That was the expected final decision here. But it, did go, it is official, and that's a good thing for Ole Miss, and that's a good thing for, for Morrell as well, because I think that under Chris Beard, um, he can develop and blossom into a player that can find himself on a G League team or, or you know, maybe even on an NBA roster uh, next year. But that wasn't going to happen uh, this year. So I'm not surprised that that is the end result. I, I've expected it the entire time. Good news, though, for Ole Miss nonetheless. He's a good player. Got incredibly high upside. Uh, just needs needs to be in the right system and, and be coached by the right guy. And I think that those two things now um, exist for him. <laughs> I, I think returning to Ole Miss is going to be really, really good for him, uh, considering the new regime in place. The other uh, unsurprising news, but news nonetheless, that happened to Ole Miss basketball yesterday uh, was Alan Flanagan withdrew from the NBA draft as well and uh, is going to play uh, at Ole Miss uh, under his dad, by the way, uh, next season. Wes uh, is the one that told Matt Norlander at CBS this. Anyway, that's where I saw it first. Forgive me if somebody else broke that. But again, uh, when I talked about the transfer portal and and who's on the team for Ole Miss basketball next year, I, I, like I mentioned him as somebody that was on the team, basically. That's how I talked about it, because he also wasn't going to play in the NBA uh, this season. That that wasn't going to happen. And I think everybody expected him to transfer to Ole Miss. Him, going literally, him doing literally anything else would have surprised me, like shocked me. Uh, but that news did happen uh, yesterday as well. So uh, Alan Flanagan, he's a 10-5 and five guy, uh, quality player. Uh, can definitely be useful uh, for this team. Good player, going to play for his dad, um, going to play a lot uh, for this team, and, and a very good pickup for uh, for Ole Miss. So far, the transfer portal for Chris Beard has gone very well. Um, there might be a ceiling on this team that's a little bit lower than uh, teams in the near future at Ole Miss, uh, but when you look at the roster construction and who they've added in the portal and the positions that they play, even though they're less dependent on actual slots, but still, you, you know what I mean? Um, there is no glaring hole on this roster anymore. No, where you look at it and you think, oh, that they are in dire need, desperate need of this, especially if they're able to add one of the uh, point guards that they've had visit lately. 
looking at the roster, it's one that I expect to be competitive. Now, will it be a tournament team? I, I don't know. Um, but I still stand by the, the fact that I, when Chris Beard was hired, I said I expect them to be competitive, uh, play meaningful basketball games in February in year one, and seeing who they've added in the portal uh, only solidifies my feeling on that. I expect them to be competitive next year, to to be on the bubble, to be playing meaningful basketball in February uh, because of who they've added and who's returning. Um, so far, the roster building has been pretty great considering where the team was, where the program is historically. There's nothing I see on that roster that makes me think that they won't be anything but competitive uh, this season. Um, nothing I see that makes me think anything other than that. So, good day in basketball yesterday, although an expected one. Lanigan was always going to transfer to Ole Miss. Matt Morrell was always going to return to Ole Miss. At least that's what I thought anyway. So, good stuff. Really good stuff there. Uh Next time you hear from me, I think we'll get some news on the vote, and I think we're going to get some news on uh, kickoff times as well. By the by, this afternoon, there should be uh, some information on kickoff times for the first three weeks uh, that are going to um, going to come out today. So we'll talk to you guys about that on the next one. Appreciate you checking out the podcast, and I'll talk to you again soon. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.